Okay, so we are going to be in First Chronicles, new book, but before I go there, immediately after last week's message, two people corrected me on an error. It's such a wonderful thing that uh, at Calvary Chapel, people know the Word of God, even even chapters like 2 Kings 23 and 24 with all those names that all sound alike and get us confused until we've read them about six or seven times and then it starts getting uh, uh, understandable. And God bless you if you were here last week, but God bless you even more if you're here today because I'm telling you, First Chronicles chapter 1 oh, at through 6 or through 9 Oh my, if you thought last week was bad, I shouldn't say that. If you thought last week was good, this today was going to be even better. But the error that was corrected, so last week I said that after Josiah, the last good king of Israel, I said that his son Jehoahaz reigned in his place. Um, after Jehoahaz uh, Jehoiakim, another son of jo, uh, Josiah, uh, reigned. And then after Jehoiakim, last week I said Jehoiachin, another son of Josiah, reigned. And I was wrong. That was his grandson. Who's following me? So... No, should I, should I say who corrected me? Should I really say that? Manuel and Freddie, both of them separately. They both corrected me. So Jehoiachin was his grandson. And Zedekiah, last week, I said it was, uh, I said it was, I, th I believe I said last week it was maybe a, uh, I said it. It says in verse 17 of chapter 24, he was um, an uncle, uh, and so possibly a brother of Josiah. But no, he was another son of Josiah. He wasn't any. He was the grandson Jehoiachin's uncle. But Jehoiachin's uncle, Zedekiah, was Josiah's son. So now we have all of that cleared up, and we can go to the book of First Chronicles. First Chronicles. You know, in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, some people call them the synoptic gospels because many of the stories are the same. John, which is written something like 50 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, is very different. It tells a different perspective. Um, but similarly, well, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they tell a lot of the same stories. First and Second Chronicles tell a lot of the same stories um, that you will read in mostly it's Second Samuel and First Kings and Second Kings. And so it's just as it is true that we need more than just the book of Matthew, we need more than just the book of Mark, we need more than just the book of Luke. We need Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The Holy Spirit has decided that we need more than just 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, and 2 Kings. We need the book of Chronicles. And it's first book of Chronicles and 2 Chronicles. Uh, the, uh, the, 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 book, the, first book, the first and second book of, of Chronicles um, follows the southern kingdom follows the um, southern kingdom really uh, from, let me just check here. Yeah, re really from the 
very, very end of the reign of King Saul, who was the first king of Israel, uh, to the same set of kings that I just talked about, the sons of Josiah and the grandson of Josiah, just the southern kingdom. So remember, in the book of... Um, First Kings, we read that after King Saul was King David, after King David, Solomon, and Solomon's son, Rehoboam, there was a civil war. And the ten tribes went up to the north, comprising of the northern kingdom. And then the southern, uh, which for the rest of First and Second Kings is called Israel. Two tribes remained in the south. Judah and Benjamin. They are called Judah. So Judah in the south, Israel in the north. First and second chronicles are really just the history of Judah. Now why is there such a, a, another close look at that? Because it is the line of the Messiah leading to Jesus Christ. And there's, for, for, you know, the Holy Spirit wants us to really pay attention about this other line, this, this line of the Messiah uh, that starts in the southern kingdom in Judah. Remember we talked about last Sunday morning? Who did people know Jesus as? The son of David. So David, the first good king of Israel, and they're going to, so First and Second Chronicles is really about the line of David. Barely any mention of the, all those bad kings to the north that we read about. Jeroboam, Ahab, and just the histories of all the um, kings in the north, um, we really don't uh, read about. For those of you, of you who like this stuff, and I, man, man I hope some of you do, uh, First and Second Kings was really written to the Jews who had been dragged out of Jerusalem and put in Babylon, spiritually, they were in an incredibly low place. And so it could be said that First and Second Kings was written to th those Jews because it was like, okay, okay, guys, we are going to talk about how you guys got here, why it was. And so, um, you know, why are Jews now dispersed all over the world? So that's what First and Second Kings were really about: is to, to, to is for the 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 Jews uh, after Jerusalem had been destroyed, after the temple had been destroyed, as we read last week. There's practically no one left. They're at an incredibly low place. So First and Second Kings is let's talk about how we got here. And uh, so, you know, a lot of the, just that, all that wickedness in the north is described, um, and, and as well as the south. Now, things in, in First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, and Tuesday night, we get into this, this kind of things more than Sunday morning, but for example, you know, some critics of the Bible, some people who think the Bible is not true, Say things like, well, in First and Second Chronicles, it just is glorifying the life of David. It doesn't mention David's sin with Bathsheba. Uh, that is true. Um, th there are other things like that are that that are true. I I, I do kind of scratch my head and say, well, it is in Second Samuel. Why do they have to read it again? Uh, and so, uh, you know, do we really need a Bible that's thicker than this? It'd be great in a way, right, to have a bit bigger Bible, but the Holy Spirit knows exactly what to say. I always marvel in the book of Acts that um, the first apostle who was put to death, James, there's one verse, one verse. <laughs> it, 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 that's what the Holy Spirit thought we needed to know. Herod, uh, he, what's the word? He slayed? James. I mean, it was just like one short verse. There's a whole chapter about Stephen being put to death. 
But, but anyway, basically, you know, the, the history that we read in the, um, in the Old Testament, as well as the New Testament, in the book of Acts, is lean. Lean and mean. Not mean in the sense of nasty, but, but mean in the sense of it's just exactly the words that we need to hear. We didn't need to hear about David and Bathsheba again. Now, First and Second Chronicles was written to the Jews uh, who came back from the exile in Babylon and were planted, newly planted back in the nation of Israel, in the land of Israel. And the one of the one of the, the scholars think that one of the reasons for first and second chronicles even though many of it is similar to um second samuel first and second kings is to encourage the people there and for them to remember that yeah you guys are just a scraggly ragtag bunch of people who have repopulated um, the land of Judah, yes, that is true, but you are a great people. That you are a great people. Um, first and second chronicles. And uh, the first eight, is it the first eight chapters are, are genealogies. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, if, if this is where someone started in the Bible, if, if, if you give some, gave a, an unbeliever a Bible and they've never read the Bible and they just said, I don't know where to begin, I'm just going to open this up, and they opened up to the first book of Chronicles, whoa, I don't know whether they would be reading it very long because, I mean, this is hundreds of names, not just a few, hundreds of names in the first eight chapters of First Chronicles. And uh, again, why? Why are they there? Why are it, it really thousands of years? And and it's it, it's it, it's from you know second. I'm reading now from uh, Second Chronicles two thirty six. Uh, Atai begot Nathan, Nathan begot Zabad, Zabad got Ephel, Ephel got Obed, Obed got Je and so on and so forth. And so this is eight chapters. Why? It was because, again, these people who, by the, when they came back, I'm telling you, the Jews were the greatest kingdom of, on, on earth under Solomon. And later, too, under Uzziah and others, they were really powerful. But I mean, when they were coming back after 70 years of being in exile, again, not to overuse the word, but they're a ragtag bunch of people. And this book, this book was written at that time, and it was to tell them, you are a great people in the sense that you are in the line of, of the Messiah. One day a Messiah is going to come through you and, and there is a purpose for you being reestablished in the land of Israel and, it's, and, and, and God is not going to uh, fail on his purposes. He's going to establish you there He's going to establish you there and he's going to do a great, great work. You know, uh, as I, in the uh, book of Malachi, you don't have to turn there, but he was the last, last prophet before the New Testament. He's the last book of the, the, um, the Old Testament. It says, behold, I, I send my messenger and he will prepare the way before, before me. And this is just such a glorious verse. It says, and then the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he's coming. Who is that talking about? Who is it? 
Who's it talking about? Oh, man. What's going on here? Let me repeat it. Oh, okay. Malachi chapter 3. Very, very good. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. Even the messenger of the covenant, even in whom you delight, behold, he is coming. And, and so the point that I'm trying to make here as we begin First, First Chronicles is that these people are in rough shape. They don't got a lot of money. They're, they got enemies all around them who are mocking them. This book is written to them to encourage them, to strengthen them, to, uh, to strengthen them, and just to, to let them know, look, God's going to reestablish you. He's going to rebuild the temple. You're from a great people, the, the line of the Messiah, and the Messiah is going to come into the temple that's going to be built through you guys. Suddenly, he will come there. And um, eventually, when the prophet uh, Malachi declares that, but it's, it's, it's a way of encouraging uh, the people, uh, the people of who are, are we, we saw last week the people being dragged out of Jerusalem and Israel. This is written to the people here in chapter 1 of the people who are coming back in willingly. And so it begins with a genealogy. And it's a way of saying, this is you. This is you. This is who you are. So chapter 1 says, Adam, Seth, and Enosh. So the line of the Messiah is not through Abel or through Cain. Notice how those names are not there. Who were the first two sons of Adam and Eve? Cain and Abel, and they are not there. It says, Adam, Seth, Enosh. Now, this, is, this genealogy is going to go from extremely broad, everyone's descended from Adam, to relatively narrow. It's just going to boil down to just David eventually. And David's line. And then if you go to the book of Matthew or the book of Luke, you will, you will see similarities because those genealogies take over from this one and go all the way to Jesus. You following me there? So there's a genealogy right at the beginning of Matthew. The very first verse of, uh, of Matthew, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers and so forth. It picks up in the middle of this genealogy in Matthew 1 at the end of the genealogy mentioned here in 1 Chronicles and takes it all the way to Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, Canaan, Mahalal, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Methuselah, the oldest man who ever lived, Lamech, Noah. Now Noah, we're all descended from him too, right? So it's really broad at this point. Noah's sons are who? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So everyone in this room is either descended from Shem, Ham, or Japheth. So uh, verse 5, sons of Japheth, Japheth were uh, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiras. Now this is all sort of Europe. This is sort of north of um, Jerusalem. So Europeans. So anyone with European or Russian descent um, is a descendant of, the, uh, of Japheth, son of Noah. The sons of Gomer were Ashkelah, Diptha, Togarma. The sons of Javan were Elasha, Tarshisha, Kittim, and Rodaim. So again, this is, uh, if you, you can see one of these maps of the sons of Noah and the descents of Noah, where they went. Um, so Japheth, um, he went sort of towards the north, and that's where the descendants of of uh, 
of Japheth were. So Caucasians generally are from Japheth. The sons of Ham were Cush, Mizram, Put, Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sapta, Rama, Saptetka. The sons of Rama were Sheba and Dedan. So Cushite, Cush is um, Ethiopia and the Sudan. So uh, that area and a lot of these other names um, would be places like Libya and Arabia. And so the sons of Ham would be, um, would be most, if you're a descendant, if, if you have African descent, you would be uh, descended from Ham. Verse 17, the sons of Shem. That's the third son. Actually, it's in chronological order. Was he the, was he the oldest? Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So Shem... Uh, now, if you hear the Jews referred to as Semites, it's believed that that's, that's where it comes from. The, the Jews are the descendants of Shem, and they were Elam, Asher, Arphasad, Lud, Aram. This is verse 17 now. Uz, Hul, uh, Gether, Meshech, Arphasad begot Shelah, and Shelah begot Eber. Now, Eber, it is believed that is where they got the name Hebrews, Hebrews, uh, from this guy, um, Eber. And from Eber, if you pick up in verse 25, uh, another Eber, Peleg, Reu, Zereg, Nahor, who was Abraham's grandfather, Terah, who is Abraham's father, and Abraham, Abram, who is Abraham? The son, uh, sons of Abraham were Isaac and Ishmael. So um, Shem, the son of Abraham, would be the, the Semites, and actually um, we'll see here uh, with Abraham, Abraham had three, uh, three of his sons are mentioned here. Isaac, Ishmael uh, are, are, are mentioned here. And then a number of son, other sons of uh, Abraham are mentioned in verse 32. So Abraham begot Isaac by Sarah. Abraham begot Ishmael by, uh, by Hagar. And, and then many people don't understand or don't know that when Hagar and Sarah died, uh, he took another wife, Abraham. Her, her name was uh, Keturah. And so, uh, if you look at this line here, um, verse 32, uh, Keturah has, among other sons, right in the middle there, a guy by the name of Midian, from whom the Midianites were, and the Midianite, Midianites show up quite a bit in the Old Testament. It says in verse 34, Abraham begot Isaac, and the sons of Isaac were Esau and Israel. And then at the end of verse 36, it's, it, it starts off with the line of Esau, and there's Amalek there, and he, Amalek shows up um, throughout the Old Testament too. And so, uh, the, all to say that uh, the, so most people of African descent are from Ham, people of Caucasian uh, descent are from Jephthah, but a lot of uh, the a, a lot of the uh, the 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 ethnic folks in the Middle East descend from uh, Shem. Uh, the, the Ishmael uh, had his own line of descendants, and today they're enemies. And there's a lot of lots of conflict between the descendants of Abraham uh, in. Uh, even in Israel, where you have so much conflict between Palestinians and Arabs, uh, as a people of Arab uh, descent, uh, and Israel, um, they, they're really their cousins. They're, they are descendants of Shem. They're uh, descendants of, of, of Abraham. So the... Uh, verse 34, again, remember, it starts this... this uh, this genealogy starts very, very broad with Adam, 
but it narrows considerably, and it's going to continue to narrow, but it narrows to, to, to really to Abraham. And uh, again, Abraham begot Isaac, and then it says the sons of Isaac were Esau and Israel, who we know of his name as Jacob, after he wrestled with God all night, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And so, the, the, uh, again, um, all the other sort of dis- chains, lines of descendants, they're sort of cut off. It's narrows here. Why? Because this is the line of the Messiah. Now, Israel, Jacob, is the first Jew. The first Jew was not Abraham, the, although Jews are related to Abraham. The first full-blooded Jew was Jacob. Verse 34, um, the sons of Isaac were Esau and Israel. So um, Israel, or who we know as Jacob, of course, he has 12 sons. That picks up in chapter 2. Does anyone want me to read all the names, rest of the names in chapter 1? Anyone? Okay. Yeah, that was outvoted. So we won't read, actually, we're not going to read like lots and lots of names. Sure, there is a question. So the first Jew, well, I'm about to talk about it. So in chapter 2, the sons of Israel, of Jacob, are Reuben, Simeon. Remember, there's 12 tribes. There's 12 tribes in Israel. And they're mentioned um, by 12 tribes of, uh, of, of Israel. They're 12 sons of Jacob. And it's their descendants who populate Israel, the land of promise. If you've never heard all this, don't worry too much. Someday you'll get it. You've got to go through this a lot, sometimes, several times before um, it can be really understood. But these are the sons, verse 1, of Israel, of Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, Asher. Those are the twelve sons of. Those are the twelve sons of, um, of Jacob. Those are the twelve tribes of Israel. So um, Isaac had Esau. So so uh, so although the Israelites. So um, the Israelites are technically related to Esau. It's like a distant, distant, distant uncle. Uncle, a full-blooded Jew is someone who descends from Jacob because it's his twelve sons that populated and possessed the nation that we now know as Israel. Did you understand? Does that are you following that? So the first Jew was Jacob. And, and so Jacob's 12 sons are the ones that went into the land of Israel. Now again, uh, there's many other people who have, um, there's many other people who have, um, have, have blood of a Jewish person because they're, they're related through, through Abraham and even before Abraham. But in terms of being a full-blooded Jew, that's who they were. Now, fascinating, verse 3, although there's 12 sons of, there's 12 sons of, uh, of Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons, and uh, Judah was the, was the fourth son who is named Verse 3, first here, Judah. And why is that? Someone shut it out. Why is it named first in this genealogy when he's the fourth son? Someone shout it out. Because Jesus came from Judah. Exactly. Uh, it, 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 that is not a coincidence. It's... Of course, this is written here, Book of First Chronicles. How long? About five hundred years before Jesus was born. Little did the writer of this book know when he starts off with uh, with, with Judah that uh, you know Jesus would be born in five hundred years. But the, um, but it, it, it's already known at this point that the line of the Messiah 
is going to come through Judah, even though Judah was a not-so-good guy. Now, there was one son of, uh, uh, of, of Jacob who was a great guy, a stellar guy. I look at Luis back there. I think of this guy. What was his name? Joseph. If Luis goes to some employer, the place is just going to start making money hand over fist. I mean, it, it's just a fact. He's, he's, he's keeping a straight face because inside he knows that that's true. And that's what happened with the son of uh, Joseph, the son of, uh, of Jacob. He was just had so much favor from the Lord. Judah, on the other hand, oh man, that dude. Um, he, 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 he was... Um, uh, he had a, a, a bunch of different issues. Uh, among others, he's the one who's, who came up with a plan to sell Joseph, the only really, really, really good son, into slavery. But then also, right in the middle of all that, there's that crazy story where uh, Judah... Judah, um, after his wife dies, is traveling on a donkey, and he sees a woman who's dressed up like a harlot. He hires her, and as it turns out, it's his daughter-in-law. He doesn't find out that until after. So he has sex with his daughter-in-law. She has twins. One of them is uh, a, a guy by the name of Perez, Actually, um, they're twins, Perez and Zira. Perez, uh, 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 Perez, a direct descendant also of Jesus Christ. And so, just the very fact that 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 um, uh, that that Judah is um, is mentioned here is really interesting because it's the line of the Messiah. Now, at the end of the book of Genesis, we were in that quite a long while ago. Judah does kind of redeem himself. Not kind of, he really does. Because when Joseph, who is then, I hope I'm not going to lose you now, but when Joseph, who was sold into slavery into Egypt, he's raised up in Egypt by the Lord to become prime minister of Egypt. His, his brothers show up who sold him into slavery, and he recognizes them. They don't recognize him. They're missing one brother, the brother Benjamin. Jacob didn't send Benjamin down because he's thinking, I don't want to lose another son because he had already lost Joseph. He thought Joseph was dead. And Judah does, Judah does what? He, although he was the one who came up with a plan to sell Joseph into slavery, he actually tells his father who doesn't want him. They, they go back up. They, Joseph insists that they bring Benjamin back up. Um, they go up to Jacob. He goes, no way am I, I going to do that. But Judah says what? Listen, on my life, on my, if, if we don't bring Benjamin back alive, I will, it'll, it'll be my responsibility, 100% my responsibility. He redeems himself. And so then by the end of Joseph's life, I mean, the end of Jacob's life where he, in chapter, Genesis chapter 49, where he's giving a blessing to each of his sons, shockingly, Joseph is not the one through whom the line of the Messiah comes. I mean, it really is a shocker. When you read it, Genesis 49, you would think that the best guy, Joseph, that it would be through him that Jesus Christ would come. But out of nowhere, in Genesis um, chapter 49, verse 8, it says, Judah, you are he, he whom your brother shall praise. What? Uh, that sounds like Joseph. Remember the whole story of Joseph? He had dreams with his brothers bowing down to him. But, but it, it's, it's, there's been a reversal. Now it's Judah. Verse 10 of chapter 49 of Judah, it says, The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Me, the scepter is what? It, it's, what a ki- it's what a king has, which represents his authority as a king. So Jacob is prophesying in Genesis 49 that through Judah... The Messiah will come. And so here we are in 1 Chronicles chapter 2. It lists 12 sons of, um, 
of Jacob, the fourth son is Judah, and who does the line of the lineage begin with in verse 3? Not with his first son Reuben, not with his second son Simeon, not with his third son Levi, but Judah, through whom the line of the Messiah, through whom Jesus Christ will be born. And again, it's just a wonderful thing about reading the Bible. The Bible is the, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. But because we know the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And, and I, you know, neglect the Old Testament at your own peril. I mean, it's just so wonderful to be able to, uh, that, it, that, um, that, we, that we can look at it and, and, and study this and, and all the fulfilled prophecy. Verse 4, Judah's... Um, Judah, through Tamar, his daughter-in-law, bore him Perez. So this really weird incest thing happens. Um, but what do we learn here? That in the line of Jesus Christ, among his descendants, grace overrules ugliness. And so we can look at our own ugliness of, of our own life, and we can remember that, wow, this is super, super, super ugly in fact, it's uglier than my ugliness. And that Jesus Christ had the same ugliness in his, in his ancestral chain in, uh, among, his, um, uh, among his relatives that preceded him. In verse 7, out of nowhere, it says the sons of Carmi was Achar, who we know is Achan from the book of Joshua. Um, the book of Joshua, the trouble of Israel who transgressed in the accursed thing. Uh, this guy, Carmi, was the, the son of, of Zimri in the, um, in the previous verse. But again, Achan, remember, he's the one they, they uh, defeated Jericho. It was their first battle after the Israelites were in the, had been rescued from Egypt, were in the wilderness for 40 years, and they had come across the Jordan. Their first battle was Jericho. The walls of Jericho went down. God said, whatever you do, don't steal anything from this city. It's all mine. What did Achan do? He took a bunch of, I think, wedges of gold and garments and hid it in his tent and and uh, they wound up losing uh, a battle after that because this, there was sin in the camp. There was a peep, someone had transgressed the, the law of the Lord. And, and, but again, here in the middle of, um, uh, of, these, uh, of this genealogy, we read again that grace overrules ugliness just because you fall flat on your face. And your face is all black, black and blue. Doesn't mean that God um, has given up on you. To the contrary, the pro- what, what, is the, the, what, what was the verse of, of that song that Manuel finished up with? Um, for, for those who were, who were here, what was, the la- what was the verse that they sing over and over? Anyone remember? Can you sing it? Can you stand up and sing that for us, Nadia? Please. Please, do it, please. All the promises are, no, your promises are yes and amen. Uh, Listen, when you give your life to Jesus Christ, uh, there's a promise in the Bible that says, he who started a work in you will complete it. And that includes after you fall flat on your face, and, and things get really, really ugly, and things look really, really bad at the time of Achan. Um, he messed up really, really bad, um, but that was not going to stop the Lord from fulfilling his promise. Verse 11, there's a whole bunch of other names. We get to, uh, we get to uh, verse 11, Nashon bore Salma, and Salmon um, begot Boaz. Who was Boaz's wife? Ruth. Ruth. Very good. Uh, and uh, the book of Ruth, verse 12, o- Boaz begot Obed, Obed begot Jesse. Jesse was whose father? David, King David. Very good. Verse 13, um, Jesse begot Eliab, his firstborn, Abinadab the second, Shimea the third, Nathaniel, Nethanel the fourth, Radai the fifth, Ozem the sixth, and David the seventh. I always love the fact that David was the seventh son. 
You know, how the world does stuff. Oh, well, you know, it's the firstborn son. Of course, I can say this because I'm not a firstborn son. But the world's like the firstborn son. Yeah, you get all the privileges and, and this kind of thing. God chose the seventh son, this little shrimp. He was out taking care of sheep. Um, and, and, and even the prophet Samuel was looking at Jesse's older sons and go, wow, these guys are studs. These guys are incredible. Surely they're going to be the next king of Israel. And what did, um, what did God tell, what did God tell um, Samuel? Someone shout it out. That's right. God does not look on the outside. He looks on the inside. And, and David, he was already singing songs to the Lord, um, taking care of those sheep. But he was the seventh. And, um, and I love that. So again, why is this, why all these names, why this incredibly long list? Because these people are, uh, these people had been dragged out of Babylon from their homes. They were in chains. They were taken to Babylon. And there they were just humbled for 70 years. And then just uh, uh, not too many of them, I mean, I can't remember what the number, it was in the thousands, came back. They are a ragtag people, a poor people. They are surrounded by enemies. And this is the way that God is showing them, listen, he who began a good work in you is going to complete it. Don't you, you see in all your descendants, all the misfits, the people who messed up bad, the, the ugliness and, and all this stuff? Yeah, that's what happens. But all the promises of God are yes and amen. And so this would have brought great encouragement to them as they're reading this. And it talks about David's sisters. Uh, their sisters, were, um, David's sisters, verse 16, were Zariah, Abigail. The sons of Zariah were Abishai, Joab, and Asahel. Who was Joab? Someone shouted out. I'm not going to let you guys fall asleep during this this, while I'm reading this genealogy, usually, you know, you read this genealogy halfway. Uh, 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 we're not going to do that. Who was, who was, <laughs> who was Joab? Someone shout it out. It can't be Stephanie. Who was Joab? He was an important guy. You guys remember who Joab was? He was the blank of David's army. That commander of all David's armies that wound up defeating the Philistines and the Ammonites and um, uh, the Amalekites. And he, um, he was also one ruthless dude. Wow, we read about him. He, he murdered a couple other generals uh, who were rivals of his, of his in cold blood. Um, verse 17, Abigail, the, David, uh, the sister of Abigail, the sister of David, bore Amasa. Amasa was that general um, who, who actually betrayed David and went over to Absalom, who was David's son, who rebelled against his own father and took over the country. And then there was a civil war. And Amasa was his general, but Joab wound up killing him too. Joab, he interesting guy. We're gonna. Who wants to read all the names of, of the rest of chapter two? Anybody? Who wants to go right to chapter three? Do I have voting here? Okay, I, I see enough hands. Uh, I see enough hands up. Uh, verse three. Now these were the sons of David. So again, what did I say? At the very beginning, starts off with Adam, really, really broad, but it gets narrow and narrow and narrow, and, and eventually the only thing that's going to matter is a certain line that comes through David, because again, Jesus was the son of, what did Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus cry out when he was blind, have mercy on me, son of David. Because David, they knew the Messiah, they knew the Savior. Remember the, uh, the, the sermon from last Sunday? Who is Christ? Who is Christ? Well, he was the son of David. 
He was also the God of David, but he was indeed the son of David. So chapter 3 is going to go over the sons of David. Uh, now these were the sons of David who were born to him in Hebron. Hebron was, the when he first became king, he lived in Hebron. When he first became king, he was only king of two tribes, um, Judah and, someone shouted out, Benjamin. That's right. And, when he li- and, then, and then when he became um, king of all 12 tribes, he moved to Jerusalem. Now, these were the sons of David who were born to him in Hebron. The firstborn was Amnon by Ehonom, the Jezreelitess, the second Daniel by Abigail, the Carmelitess, the third Absalom, the son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur, the fourth Adonijah, the son of Haggith, the fifth, Shephathiah by Abital. The sixth, Ethram by his wife, um, Egla. These six were born to him in Hebron. They, there he reigned seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem he reigned 33 years. And these were born to him in Jerusalem, Shemaiah, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. For by Bashua, the daughter of Amiel. Now, just for your information... Jesus was a direct descendant, biological descendant, not of Solomon, but of this guy, Nathan. Of this guy, Nathan, there. Solomon's line, although you do see the line of Solomon that goes to Joseph, um, there's two genealogies, one in Matthew, one in Luke. They are different. One is um, a genealogy that goes to Joseph, the others, and Luke is a genealogy that goes to um, Mary. And so um, Nathan was the one through whom Je- Jesus actually uh, was related to. And so um, then it goes in verse 10, uh, Solomon's son, and here we read about all the uh, kings of, of Judah and the south. Remember, the northern kingdom we read almost nothing about. The ten tribes to the north, that's first kings and second kings. We read about the kings up there. The kings in the south, Judah, through whom Jesus Christ uh, is descendant, that we read about in first and second chronicles. So Solomon's son was Rehoboam. Uh, Abijah was his son, Asa his son, Jehoshaphat his son, Joram his son, Ahaziah his son, Joash his son, Amaziah his son, Azariah his son, Jotham his son, Ahaz his son, Hezekiah his son, Manasseh his son, Ammon his son, Josiah his son. The sons of Jehiah were Jonan the uh, firstborn, the the second Jehoiakim, the third Zedekiah, and the fourth Shalem. Um, so if you weren't here at the very beginning, um, two people came up and corrected me about wrongly stating who this, um, wrongly stating, uh, uh, that one of the folks that I had called a son of Josiah was actually a grandson. That's why I am. Can you imagine being corrected on such detail? That's one of the wonderful things about being a pastor of a Calvary chapel. Whoa, do people need their uh, Bible? So in chapter 4, uh, the, uh, the, the sons of Judah, it goes again to Judah, uh, his line there. Um, the sons of uh, Judah, it sort of backs up to him because of the importance of Judah and his line, and the fact that from Judah, Jesus Christ is descendant. And in verse 9, out of nowhere, it says this. Some of you have heard of this guy, Jabez. I shouldn't call him guy. This man, Jabez. Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain." So God granted him 
what he requested. Uh, I will say this first. We don't know who this guy, it doesn't mention his parents. He just appears out of nowhere. Apparently, people knew who this guy was. Apparently, he was from the line of Judah. But some of you may, have any of you read the book of Jabez or the prayer of Jabez? So there was a very well-known book called the prayer of Jabez that really broke down this prayer. Notice here how this guy, Jabez, really wants God to bless him. Again, let's read this This. And this is out of nowhere. And remember, this is written to people who, they're a weak people, they're demoralized people, they're a fearful people, and they're being told, that they're being encouraged by this genealogy. You come from a great line of people. Yes, a bunch of them messed up real bad. Yes, there's ugliness in the history, but, but God is, hasn't given up on you. you great things are going to happen to you. And this guy, Jabez, goes directly to God and says, God, bless me, do something great with my life. Now, I get it. We have a prosperity gospel that's preached in many churches today that being a Christian is all about being wealthy and healthy now. And it's totally man-focused. Come to Jesus and he'll make you wealthy. You'll get the greatest jobs. You'll get the greatest jobs. You'll be, um, get tons of money. Everyone will come to know you. Actually, the Bible says the opposite. Come to Jesus and you will suffer. I shouldn't say it's the opposite because in the suffering, God does bless us. So remember a sermon from the book of Mark a little while ago where, uh, remember, uh, Two of the disciples, James and John, came to Jesus and said, Hey, Jesus, uh, can you please give us whatever we ask for? Remember that? And it says the other disciples heard, and they were all angry. Like, who, 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 who are those two guys? What do they do? They go up to Jesus and they say, Jesus, give us whatever we ask for. And Jesus does what? He rebukes them. How dare them? No, he doesn't. And I don't know if you remember the sermon from that day, but that Sunday morning, the focus of my, the, my sermon on that day was Jesus did not discourage them from pursuing greatness. On the contrary, um, he says, look, you want to sit on my right and my left when I reign in my kingdom. That's not a decision from, from mine to do, but but." But essentially what he says is if you're willing to, to drink the cup that I drink, you're going to be great someday. He doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. Jesus does not, listen, please, all of you, Jesus does not discourage pursuing greatness because from the very beginning, God has put a desire for greatness in every human being, including you. Now, the problem is, with the fall of Adam, our desire for greatness has been corrupted, darkened, polluted, and twisted. Because so many times our desire for greatness is we want to be, we, uh, we want to be known as great or we want to be greater than someone else. And that's corrupted, that's twisted, to want to be known as great or to want to be greater than someone else. That's a corruption of a God-given desire for greatness. God has made you to be great, great for him. He, he, he wants to do a, a, a work um, in your life. And, and you, see, uh, you see that here, um, the, the beauty of this prayer, and I mean, this, this book, I never read the book. It, sometimes, you know, I, I never read the book. I do know the guy uh, sold like millions of books called The Prayer of Jabez. And I, I, I don't know if it was a good or a book or a bad book, but, but um, it says here, again, the prayer, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, territory and, and, and your, that your hand would be with me. You, you know, it's a real problem if in our life we just become apathetic. You know, I... I Whatever, I, I, I just, God may be who I am, I'm just going to sit on my couch and, 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 and listen to TV and, 
uh, and I have a few kids, and, and, and let, let me tell you, when someone does not have a desire for greatness, that's a, a huge problem. That's not how God made us. The devil wants us to be apathetic. The devil wants us to be lazy. The devil wants us just lying around and being normal. The devil wants you to be normal. The devil wants you just to be like everybody else. But Jabez here, the reason this is such a, a, a striking prayer, it just comes out of nowhere. He steps out and says, no, please bless me, oh God, that you would bless me indeed, that you would enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me, that you would ca- keep me from evil, that, and, that I may not cause pain. In other words, that I wouldn't just be a person using someone. We are in our sin. That's who we are. We're selfish people who were just going to use people to our advantage and to their pain. But here Jabez says, no, I, I, I don't let me do that. I don't want to be cause, uh, cause pain. What he's saying is glorify your name in my life. And what does it say at the end of the prayer? So God granted him what he requested. What does James say? You don't have because you haven't asked for it. And should we always be praying? I just added to my prayer journal this little prayer. It says, God, that I would regard nothing except for your glory. And I read that from one of my devotionals. Absolutely, we, we, we need to be always praying that our prayers would be supremely motivated for the glory of God. But that doesn't mean we don't ask for the Lord to enlarge our territory, to bless us, and um, to make us great. Now, now, being great in the kingdom of God could mean being the mother of one child. That, is, that can be greatness. I don't know what, you know, you can be the mother of 12 children and the children, and, and, do, and, 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 and do nothing to raise the children other than just sort of let them do whatever they want to do and cause a lot of destruction. Or you can raise one, even one child, pour Jesus Christ into them, and they can, they wound up doing, leading, I don't know, thousands to Christ or leading even two people to Christ is a great thing. And so again, the Holy Spirit trying to encourage these people who are a weak, feeble people um, in the midst of the land there. Let's skip all the way to chapter 5. Chapter 5 says, now the sons of Reuben. So it just goes through the sons of Jacob's firstborn, the first tribe of Israel, the first son of Israel, the sons of Reuben. All the way to chapter 6. The sons of Levi. Now, the Levites were the workers in the tabernacle and the temple. There were three sons, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. From Kohath, that was the whole line of Aaron, and the line of Aaron. Not all Levites were priests. Only certain that there was just one line of priests that came um, from, from Kohath. Um, it says that the son, verse 22 says, the sons of Kohath were Aminadab, his son, Korah, his son, Aser, his son, Elkanah, his son. And so Korah there, Korah there, was uh, led that rebellion. Uh, he led the rebellion against um, Moses, if you remember that. He led the uh, rebellion against Moses. But, but wh- I'm sorry, let's back, sorry to do this. Back, backtrack to verse 2. The sons of Kohath were Amram, Izar, Hebram, and Uzziel. The, the children of Amram were Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. So, uh, and, and the sons of Aaron were Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Eleazar begot Phineas. So those are all characters we read about in the book of Exodus and after that. Uh, so um, Aaron and Moses were uh, Levites. 
They were, uh, Levi, again, was Jacob's, was it his third son? The third son, was it? Yeah, he, he, Levi was the third son. All the workers of the temple and the tabernacle and in Jerusalem were descendants of Levi, the Kohathites. Um, in verse 26, among the Levites, among the, uh, uh, among the descendants of Kohath, remember, was Samuel. So it says, as for Elkanah, the sons of Elkanah were Zophai, um, Zophai his son, Nahath his son, Eliab his son, Jehoram his son, and Elkanah his son. The sons of Samuel were Joel the firstborn and Abijah the second. And so um, they were, um, uh, th that Samuel was a priest. Remember, Samuel was the one who anointed uh, David for ministry. Another interesting thing about this chapter, verse 31, now these were the men whom David appointed over the service of the song in the house of the Lord after the ark came to rest. Um, and so when David built the tabernacle, he had 24-hour-a-day worship. Some of you know it's really cool going into the house of a Christian. Some some Christians they just have uh, worship music all day long. Well, that's what the tabernacle was, and the Levites were in shifts around the clock doing worship. To and that that anyone would hear that would come into the tabernacle and later the temple. And this is just mentioning who these folks were. And verse uh, thirty-three in the middle of it, it mentions this guy He-Man. A good name for a worship leader, He-Man. Psalm 88 references He-Man. And then in verse 39, we, we read another one, Asaph. A whole bunch of psalms were, uh, were written by him. The psalm really means song. They're all to be sung. That's why a lot of worship songs that you hear are really from the psalms. Psalms are songs that were sung in the tabernacle and in the temple. In verse 49, it said, But Aaron and his sons offered sacrifices on the burnt offering and on the altar of incense for all the work of the most holy place and to make atonement for Israel according to all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, had commanded. And now these are the sons of Aaron, Eliezer, Phinehas, Abishai, Buki, Uzi, Zariah's son, Marioth's son. So this, those were, that's the descending line of him. And then remember, Phinehas was the guy who saved Israel because Israel had started having sex with Midianite women after they were on their way to taking over the promised land. Um, Balaam the prophet had uh, was unable to curse Israel when he was hired to curse them, but he told the Midianite king, hey, you really want to defeat these guys? Send women into the camp. Have the Israelite men have sex with them. He is a holy God. He will have to judge them. And then um, a plague, he judged them through a plague, and in the middle of it, this guy Phineas shows up, who's mentioned here in verse 50 of 1 Chronicles 6, and what happened? And he puts a spear through the man and the woman in the middle of sexual intercourse, and immediately the plague was stopped. Hey, hey, it's just what the Bible says. And, and you guys think, you guys think uh, uh, the Bible's boring? It's high drama, let me tell you. Uh, some of it's X-rated, and um, I don't think it would be appropriate to put it to film, um, including that scene. But um, at least... In, in full detail. Chapter 7, the sons of Isaacer, verse 1, verse 6, uh, the sons of Benjamin, verse, verse 13, the sons of Nephali, verse 14, Man, sons of Manasseh, verse 20, the sons of Ephraim, verse 30, the sons of Asher. Um, and then in chapter 8, you have King Saul. He was the first king of Israel. The Israelites um, uh, during the book of Judges, God was their king, but they wanted a king that looked like any other nation or all the other nations, a real handsome guy who was taller than everyone else, who was charismatic. Saul was that guy. He was a terrible king. He, God warned them, you want a king like other nations? I'll give you one, but let me tell you, he's going to rip you guys off bad. And so in the end, Saul is put to death, and then David comes in and reigns 
um, after that, but to set the context of the history of Israel, chapter 8 is all about the line of Saul. And then, uh, I tell you what, I'm going to stop there. I was hoping to get through chapter um, through, through chapter 9. But the point being that here's the Holy Spirit trying to encourage um, the people, this disheveled group of people who had come back into the land of Israel who were going to build, eventually build the temple in which Jesus Christ would wind up entering in fulfillment of the book of Malachi. And you know, it's the same with us. You know, there are periods of time uh, where Christians are far outnumbered. We feel really, really weak. My daughter was just in Sweden, and she's like, there's no, there's no Christians here. This is the most godless place in the world. Uh, they actually, she was talking to one guy. They were evangelizing one guy, and he was like, do you want me to devolve? Is that what you're trying to get? They, they, they think they've evolved past God, uh, but, you know, and, and people on the lower evolutionary scale, um, they still believe in God. And so, uh, it, 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 but, but the, the Bible was written to encourage us that, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And when we go back in the history and see the faithfulness of God, we, are, we get really, really encouraged. And that's what this book is. Things will get um, a little bit more normal next week. We won't have as many names. We're going to get into actual stories again from the Old Testament. 